Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table. We are continuing a series that I've just called When Practical Meets Jesus. Basically because the heart of this conversation over the next few weeks is to engage in real life moments that we have as moms, but understand it from a gospel perspective, God's viewpoint, his lens. And then what does that mean? If, if we're trying to see this moment the way God sees the moment, then what then after that? How do we walk with that child? How do we love that child? How do we pray for that child? What do we do? The point of this time is absolutely not to bust you up over ways you've done it differently. It's not to layer on your back all the ways that you're go, you th- sit and think, oh, yeah, I stink. I, I didn't do it that. I never even thought about that. If that is a thought that you have from last week's, from this week, or from the weeks moving forward, I want you to understand that that right there is a lie from the enemy that is designed to defeat you. And so what I want to speak from the very beginning, the outset today is yes, we're going to be looking at really true moments, like things that happen and that I think that all of us struggle with, with our kids. And we're going to put it into a framework that says, this is what it looks like in a spiritual perspective. And then this is how we walk forward in it. So This week, I want to talk about something that has happened in our home. We have experienced this, and I have not done it well a lot, but I am learning. But it also was a conversation I had with another mama about one of her children. And the conversation went a little bit like this. She has a child who is struggling um, in the area of comparison. This child is young and the comparison, the struggle is being highlighted in school and academics. This child isn't necessarily performing up to a certain level and struggling in an area. And, you know, this mama came to me and said, I've tried so many different things. I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Do you have any ideas now? Yes. And, and yes, I've had children actually with the same like academic struggles and we had some ideas for like academic tricks that she could use maybe, or ways that she could navigate this with her little one. But what really struck me about it and what I want to talk to you today is helping this mom 
see her child in this struggle place from the bigger spiritual perspective, which is this. This little one is fully aware that they are not measuring up according to the standards of the class. They, they, they see the grades. They, they see they are experiencing the frustration. They are trying their hardest. They are working and doing and willing to jump through every hoop put before them to learn. And yet, and yet, we had one of ours who sat in our birth order between two other children who academically were very quick, quick to learn. And the child who sat in between them had to work to learn. They had to work hard and take things slower and practice more and still on a standardized test or on the equivalent of a standardized test didn't look like they had worked as hard as they had worked and done as much as they had actually done. And they knew it. You see, our kids also can see comparison from a very early age. So the question becomes, and what we're talking about today is when we have a child experiencing not comparing well, according to world standard, what do we do? What do we do? Whether this comparison is in the realm of academics or in the realm of athletics or in the realm of friendship or as they grow up older, comparison becomes how popular you are or how cool you are. I mean, comparison always continues. It chases us, right? So you and I, as mamas, this is a struggle. So especially if today you're like, that's even me. Like, I don't feel like I'm comparing well on pick a, pick an area. Then this, this message actually may be for you too. But oh my goodness, I want to equip you to know how to walk with your children in those spaces and speak truth. So that's what we're going to attempt today. We're going to go back to the framework that I put in place last week. I want to remind you of the framework framework first for our mind. Okay? There are five pieces. The first piece is that we understand that we are shepherding a soul in need of a savior. So we have to have that piece in place. We we do not want to see our children as anything less than a soul we get to shepherd in need of a savior. That is what God has gifted us and called us to. This holy calling, this sacred privilege we get to walk with a child is that. And then number two, when we recognize there's a soul in need of a savior, we have to go to God and go, what is your wisdom here? And what is your perspective on this soul? What do you say about my child? And then number three, we choose to be consistent in the messaging that we have received from God. 
So we are going to create, you can call them goals, you can call them tenants, you can call them pillars, you can call them whatever you want. You are going to, we we create those lining up with God's word for that child. Understanding we may have 10 kids and every child is an individual soul in need of a savior with their own individual pillars, their own individual concepts that God is going to say, this is my wisdom and this is my perspective on this little one. So this is work we do as mamas. Get your Bible out. Get your piece of paper. Get Put your child's name across the top and say, this child. Because part of asking God for his wisdom, and we've talked about this a lot, is saying, I want to be a student of my child, Lord, that I may shepherd them well. So we we're bringing all that before the Lord and we're asking for that. And then we're consistent in our messaging. That's number three. Number four of these is that we pray. Now it's not number four because it's that level of importance. Probably I would move that to primary importance because that's part of even the conversation with God. But we are praying scripture, claiming and interceding on their behalf. And then the last one, the fifth one, is that we speak words of life, gospel truth, consistently to our children, according to the pillars, according to God's perspective, understanding there's a soul that we are called to shepherd. This is what we do. These are the five things. So now we're going to go into this experience. We have this experience today with our child, which is... Our child is struggling. We're just going to put it this way. Our kid is struggling academically. It doesn't matter how old they are. They could be in kindergarten because our kids, some of our kids are just going to struggle. According to the world's perspective, they're not going to measure up. What do we do? So the first thing we do is we understand that because this is, there's holiness in the immediate there's holiness in this sheet of paper that they've brought home with a grade on it. And their little heart is kind of open wide to us. Like, I mean, I didn't do what I wanted or I don't know why I didn't do well or whatever. The first thing that you and I begin to do is we recognize this child's soul has been uniquely designed by a creator in need of a savior but he or she has kingdom work that God has planned for them. And they are gifted. And we, this conversation I had with my friend was the first part of it is understanding that your child's gifting and world philosophy may not intersect well. So the world says every kid needs to excel academically, but your child's giftings may be in the creative or in you know, uh, music or imagination or storytelling or art or, um, all of our kids are gifted. God has designed them each uniquely. And when we understand they are this unique soul, then when we become a student of our child, we are going to look at our child differently than the world's, um, construct that says every kid needs to get an A on every test and excel in this school concept to have value and have worth. That's the first thing. 
that we do is we say, okay, what are the giftings that God has given my child? Let me look at my child from his perspective and understand him or her and understanding, man, my, my child is really gifted in leadership and not so much gifted in spelling, but man, they are charismatic with their peers. Man, they are imaginative and they can paint the best, um, play experience for their siblings or they can amuse people with their storytelling or my goodness you put a piece of paper and a pencil in that child's hand and they can draw pictures you get to unfold and unwrap this beautiful gift of your child and part of your calling as their mother is to understand them to be a student of your child. So we begin to recognize their giftings and then we begin to speak to those according to God's perspective. So we have had children who've been incredibly gifted academically. We have had children who are not academically superstars. So my job as the mother is to uniquely look at each one and say, these are the ways I see that God has gifted you. So if you haven't had that conversation with your child, where you haven't sat with the Lord first and said, what are the ways you have uniquely crafted this child? Whether it's in their level of kindness their level of giving, their level of serving, their um, way that they can think of others and they understand other people's feelings or viewpoint, the, the imaginative ways that they have, the creative ways that they have, the studious ways that they have, the earnestness. Maybe they're hard workers. Maybe, you know, each of your children is different. And we want to speak to the giftings that God has given them, to them. Because we don't compare our children to any of the other children in our home or to anyone else in the world. We compare our children to themselves. Understanding that they are a soul in need of a savior, but that God has created them for kingdom work. And we want to speak into that. So we begin, we say, let me tell you the giftings I see in you. And you, and you may want to have the conversation when this child brings that spelling test to you and looks you in the eye and goes, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't do as well as I thought I was going to do. Then we speak to the feelings that they have and we want to ask them, what do they hear? So what are you hearing? What are the thoughts in your head? Because I promise you, it doesn't matter how young your child is, they're already hearing well, I think I'm stupid. I think I'm not as smart as Johnny or Sue. I think I'll never get it. I'm probably never going to be a good speller. This is the worst. I hate school. They're hearing those thoughts. Those are thoughts of the enemy designed to discourage, to to bring to despair, to make them believe about themselves. 
And you and I don't need to play here. We need to understand that those thoughts need to be, they need to share those with you so that you and they can work and walk together in truth that of what God speaks over their life. And they can combat what the enemy is trying to whisper. Because even at ages four, five, six, and seven, y'all, the enemy is trying to convince your kid that they are without value and without worth. So we're speaking today about academics because it's the conversation I had with one of my dear friends. And this is exactly what I told her. The enemy wants to rob your child of their value and worth based on spelling tests. Because if he can wrap your child up right now, and then that belief system carries through, then he wins in that space. There is an assault on all of us that says you are without value, you are without worth, and we need to tend to it in our children's lives. So how do we do this? The first thing I told my friend is you need to have a serious conversation with her that says, I see that you're struggling in spelling and I am going to walk with you. I'm going to accompany you in this experience as your mama. So we promise ourselves, right? We promise that we are a part of it and we are a cheerleader for them and we are not going to leave them. It is a picture of a God who never leaves them. And we begin to have that conversation with them that, you know, God doesn't leave you when you step into a spelling test and he wants to walk with you through that test and he wants to teach you and guide you and help you. So we, we begin that, right? But then we need to begin to talk to them about what they are hearing. And then we talk into them about the giftings that God has given them. What is it that makes you unique? What is it that's special about you? What do I see as ways that God has already crafted you uniquely that he wants to use for his kingdom work? What could those be? Because he has that for every child, every person. And then when we understand exactly the lies that they're hearing from the enemy, we begin to address those specific lies with the truth of God's word. So if the lie that your child is hearing is what everybody else thinks I'm dumb or I am dumb, those are different, or um, I'm embarrassed, um, I don't measure up. We want to look exactly at the lies that they are hearing. And then we go to the scripture and we begin to go, this is the truth God declares for you. Now, so that is, that is the first part. So we have understood there's a soul. We've asked God for wisdom, for his perspective. And we're beginning to choose some consistency in our messaging. All right. That's number three, which is this. You and I need to, when we look at each child uniquely and we have that sheet of paper 
that we're working out our child, Lord, show me this child, show me their giftings, show me their struggle points, show me the places the enemy may already be attacking my child. Let me have eyes to see it so that I can engage in conversations with it. So we've identified, oh, this child is academically feeling poorly about themselves. Then now we want to begin to go, okay, but what is the consistency in my messaging? What are the pillars, the goals I have for this child? And the reality is for some of our kids, the pillar might be this child is totally capable of a work and working hard for them looks like this. And, and so that's what we're looking for. And yet for another child, their working hard looks like C work. It just does. So I want to have the right pillars in place and the right expectations in place because schoolwork is, it is something that we do. It is part of like, in this world, we have to become equipped. Like we have to learn how to balance a checkbook and we have to learn how to add and we have to learn how to read, right? We, we, we do learn these things and they're a value. So we're not devaluing learning, but we're understanding the pillars that we need to put in place and the goals we have for each child individually. And so the goal that I had for that child was mine happened to be one of my daughters. And it was, you know, in essence, it was baby girl, we're going to work hard. And when your brain wants to um, choose to be, and in our language, it was choose to be unteachable. So it wants to shut down. It's being flooded with emotion. It's being flooded with, I can't do itis that we need to combat because that's a lie from the enemy. We need to pause We need to reconnect you and me because I'm your cheerleader and we're in this together and I love you and you're fully accepted right here in your confusion and I'm going to walk with you and through with you through this and we're going to learn it. It doesn't matter how long it's going to take. We are going to learn it, but I'm going to help equip you with how to learn. But the first thing, because you're kind of flooded emotionally, we're going to let all that subside. And so I will, and give, and so that was a pillar for me with my child who struggled academically was understanding that work was going to be hard. So I had to understand as a mom, it's not going to come easy. So we're going to work hard and I'm in it with them. And that I need to recognize when I am coming up against the wall of, I can't do itis, the, I can't do it and the throwing the pencil and frustration and the tears that there's a, like an emotional flooding that happens when our kids get frustrated and their emotions basically flood out and short circuit their entire brain system. And so if I can see that and recognize it, and this was a pillar for me, if I see it and recognize it, I will stop all teaching demanding pressure, whatever, to allow the emotional flooding to subside. And instead in that flooding time, my role was to come alongside physically to put my hand, to give a hug, to break. And so I would move that child out of that learning experience in that moment, because that would help the the flooding to calm down. I would connect physically. I would give a hug, connect with the eyes, speak truth 
because the other part of the flooding is the enemy then will assault with lies of value and worth. So I speak truth in that moment. So those were my pillars. How was I going to walk with this child in something they have to do? But how do I walk with them in a way that is life-giving to them? And then I understood the goals that I had. That was another pillar for me. The goals that I had for this child may look different. Each child's goals were different. See, I had different goals even than what the world's expectations were. You know, there's a pressure. You can say you don't feel it as a mom, but there's a pressure for your kids to like get all A's, to look good in class, for teachers to go, oh, you know, Johnny's a smart boy and Mary's a smart girl. And so we need to divorce ourselves from the world's expectations and say, these are what God is telling me for this unique child and what he's calling this child to do. These are the goals. And that's going to be okay. I promise. I promise you. And like I told my friend, I mean, we have some non-spellers in the Kimsey household. And I have some kids who can could probably win the spelling bee, the national spelling bee. Like I have some amazing spellers and some non-spellers. I think spelling is probably something that you're born with. Like, I mean, it's just you. And again, this isn't about spelling, but what we need to recognize is it doesn't, it doesn't place value on or devalue whether you can or you cannot. But for the one who can spell, then my goals look differently. And the ones who really struggle, my goals look different. And, and that's unique to the child. And it is not according to the world's expectations that every child must spell. I mean, the reality is my kids who can't spell, they know they have to run everything through Grammarly and spell check and then through their mom too because they're going to misspell stuff. And yet, what are they learning? They're learning that their value doesn't rest on their ability to. And they're learning the character truths, the pillar truths that I want them to learn of hard work, of working through, of acknowledging feelings and yet moving past feelings into truth, right? These are the powerful things and combating an enemy that wants to rob you of hope and peace and joy by convincing you that because you're struggling here, you are of no value or no good. So number four after we've understood our pillars, we understand God's perspective, we see that this is a soul, is that we pray in accordance. Now, the good news for you and for me is we have a a spirit of God who also intercedes on behalf of our kids. So if, you know, he, Romans 8, 26 promises us that the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. If you and I do this big, heavy lifting work right now with our kids, the enemy is going to want to come to you and to me and say, we haven't been doing it. So you've messed them all up. And that's simply not true. 
But in this moment, as you begin to study your child and see them uniquely for how God has crafted and made them, you can begin to pray according to truth for that child. You see the areas that they struggle, the places that they feel like they don't compare. They don't measure up. And you begin to pray and intercede on their behalf that they will understand the giftings God has given them, the uniqueness that he has crafted them, and their great value because of Jesus. You see, we're not valued even because we are good at something in God's economy. We're not valued because we can do this or play an instrument or play this. Like None of that is our value. Our value is because while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That he has poured out the richness of his love and his mercy upon us. And because of that pouring out that covering of Jesus Christ over us, we are God's masterpiece. Workmanship designed for work he has prepared already for us to do, as Ephesians 2 says. But it's because of Jesus. It's not because of anything that we have. And so we begin to pray. We pray for that truth to invade their thoughts, to become their anchor point. We pray for opportunities to speak that truth over them and into them. We pray for wisdom to know how to engage them about that truth. And we pray for eyes to see the assault of the enemy. And this is key. You and I need to be praying that we will be fierce warriors who see the assault on our kids. That we will understand and we are alert for the ways the enemy's lies want to creep in. And so we pray. We pray for eyes of discernment. We pray to have listening ears. We pray to be in those moments that we overhear something or we see something. We ask the Spirit to tune our hearts into our children so that we see them the way God sees them and we understand the holiness in the immediate moments and we respond accordingly. And then the final one, the final of these five big truths is that we speak words of life over our children. We need to understand that our words have great power. And when we speak who they are because of Jesus, when we speak into the painful moments, pointing them to what Christ did at the cross for them, when we help them understand the fullness of, of walking in his love, the fullness of God in us, the fullness of the spirit residing within our saved children. When we can speak those truths to our children, that's how we combat an enemy who's trying to speak lies to our kids. So for, for me with, with mine, for my friend with hers, it is important that we determine these And again, this is time with the Lord sitting with their name at the top of a piece of paper. What Lord are the words of life my child needs to know right now? What are they? 
is the specific truth that my child needs to know that they are your workmanship designed to do good works? Is the specific truth they need right now, fear not, I am with you, I've called you by name, you are mine? Is this, which is Isaiah, is the specific truth, I love you, you are precious in my sight? Is the specific truth, you are, um, you know, from First Peter, you're a living cornerstone. I'm going to slaughter it because I'm speaking. You know, that do, is it that they need to understand that they're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people designed to proclaim the excellencies of him? You know, what is the truth that they need to hear right now to combat the lie that they're hearing? On this podcast, we talk in reference being a warrior and a grace-filled warrior on behalf of your kids. This series, we're trying to say in the practical places, how do you become a warrior? Understand this. You are never not engaged in battle against an enemy seeking to destroy you and seeking to destroy your children. You're never not in that battle. There's not episodes of of peace. There's not like armistice. It, It doesn't happen. But you have been equipped with all you need in the word of God. And you have the fullness of Jesus and he has given you wisdom to understand your child and what they're struggling with in this moment. And so when we do this practically and we say practically, my child is struggling academically and doesn't believe they measure up. I see it. Then we do the work. We pick up our sword, our word of God. We're speaking out the word of God over our children. We are praying the word of God for our children on their behalf. That is what it means to be a warrior for your child. And it's oftentimes when our kids are little, it is our shield of faith that must stand between the onslaught of the enemy's arrows and their lives. They are not old enough to hold their own shield of faith up. They're not. They're not. It's you and it's me. And as a warrior who begins to get this idea that the gospel actually applies practically to a grade on a test, we have this awesome privilege of speaking words of life to our kid in that moment. How are you feeling? What are you hearing? What is the truth we know? What is the way God has made you? Let's pray this way. I am walking with you. These are the words of life we speak. Because our kids are engaged in a battle and they don't know it. But you and I right now are the warriors standing on the front line for them. They're little. And we're going to go continue in this series. And we're going to talk about as our kids get older in different practical spaces that this happens in over the next few weeks. But for today, if this is your child and you have a slight glimmer that they may really be believing the lie 
that they're not valuable because in their school setting, whatever it might be, they don't measure up, whether it's they're homeschooled and it's to the siblings that are around them, because that's ha- what happened in our home, or they go to school and they're not pulling down good papers, which has also happened in our home for our kids. It doesn't matter the setting. The enemy is going to pursue them with this lie. I want you to know that we sit at this table together because it's like the reason I say this is a table that we sit at is because I think we only get real when we kind of sit together and go, man, me too. I, oh yeah, this has happened. And I want you to hear me here at the end of this one today. I have messed this up more than I've made it right. And God is bigger than that. He is supremely in love with and pursuing and faithful to your children and to you. But today, get a piece of paper. Write your child's name across the top. Begin to ask the Lord to show you the giftings and the talents and the ways he has crafted his kid, that this kid, that may be for kingdom work. Give you a vision of his perspective and let you have eyes to see where the enemy wants to take your kid out. And it may be in academics. And next week we're going to talk about some more. And then let me know. Send me an, you can email me, you can get on my website and respond to me there. You can talk to me on Instagram. I love to hear your thoughts. I love to hear your questions and I would love to walk with you. You are a warrior and you can do this, not because you and I possess anything, but because God walks with us. Jesus lives in us and the spirit is leading us forward. We can do this with him. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, When we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.